0: Okay, and the judge doesn't know the good brother and the bad brother and, you know, the the joint kids and the separate kids and et cetera, et cetera. So you probably know who would be the right person to wrap things up, and you probably know who would be the wrong person to wrap things (laughs) up. And if you don't make that call, then the judge, who doesn't know anything about your family, has to make that call. Do you know
1: what will happen to your loved ones when something happens to you? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, then this is the show for you. Listen up as we teach you about protecting your family legacy through better estate planning. Our family is here to protect yours. So welcome to the Complete Estate Planning Podcast with attorney Nick Rosenbauer. And here's
2: your host, Ben George. Welcome in. First official episode of Complete Estate Planning. This is the podcast where, look, we're trying to make sure that not only you are comfortable and taken care of, but the ones that you love are also taken care of as well. And we're going to do that over the course of this podcast by going through a number of the topics that have to do with estate planning and terminology and, and trying to make those difficult conversations a little more simple so that you can understand them and, um, and kind of have the ability to sit down with an estate planning attorney and speak to them about what you want, what you hope to accomplish, and hopefully get that all lined up. And we do this every show with Nick Rosenbauer. He is a state planning attorney and owner of Rosenbauer Law Office in Westchester, Ohio.
0: Nick, how are you? Doing great, Ben. Thanks for having me. How are we doing today? <laughs>
2: I'm good, man. I know we got the first Getting to Know You episode behind us, and if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out. to give you a little background on Nick and his business and also what we hope to accomplish on the podcast. It's already been published, but. Yeah, how are you feeling after that first episode? It's kind of behind you, and you had some time to process it. You you, you came back for episode one, so I, I assume things are pretty good.
0: Right, I I, I am still here, so uh, <laughs> it, uh, it it went very well. Um, I will say we're right now. This is being recorded, uh, beginning of the new year. So I'm just kind of recovering and getting back into the swing of work and back to normal life after the crazy holidays and basically trying to pick up the pieces from my, my son's first Christmas. And I don't even know how many of the presents he actually cared about, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, and for those of you uh, who are listening, uh, Ben has a little one as well, so he understands this. Uh-huh. Um, my son loved the Christmas tree. He loved the lights. He did not really like Santa, but he, he, and he loved the bows and the wrapping paper. So yep. That's you, all you have to you get. could have just got him some paper and, and a couple bows and, and would have been fine.
2: Yeah. Well, my, my little girl was three months old, a little less than three months when Christmas came. So I told my wife, look, I'm just going to take some of the, the toys and stuff that she hasn't been old enough to use yet. I'm just going to wrap them up and let her open up those and play with the paper. I'm not, <laughs> there's no point in getting a bunch of stuff right now. We'll, we'll get, we'll, we'll cover all those bases as we progress. So uh, we've spent enough already. Let's just let her enjoy the, the paper, all that's all she cares about. So, I'm with yeah, you,
0: absolutely. Well, cool. Um, and did you have to play defense and and keep the grandparents in check uh, from going overboard, or did you just did you just let them buy whatever they want? Yeah, uh,
2: we we just kind of we let them we let them do what they want. It wasn't too bad, but she definitely cleaned up, um, especially for being that young. <laughs> plenty of books, plenty of toys. But we did okay. I'm not going to complain about our Christmas. We, our family was great to us as well. So, uh, but yeah, I I might put them in check uh, going forward because there's only so much stuff you can keep in your house at one time and how much stuff they're actually going to use. So, yeah, you don't need to keep piling it up every Christmas.
0: Right. No, our our grandparents uh, did good. The problem is my son's birthday is like six weeks after Christmas, so right. now his birthday's coming up and he already has. More stuff than he needs. And our living room is just a bunch of toys waiting for <laughs> you know, my wife or I to step on it and roll an ankle. Right. Um, so now, you know, what could he possibly need six? You know, that and what new needs could he have Six weeks after <laughs> he got uh, he got a good haul for Christmas as well. So we, we set up that college savings account. I go. think we're gonna we're gonna throw a few hints there. Exactly, that's a good good idea.
2: Well, today our first episode, we're gonna talk about really a good starting point. I think on the discussion on estate planning and. It's when you're putting together a complete estate plan and that's the goal for everyone is to put together a complete estate plan. There's five essential documents you need. It doesn't matter how old you are, how much money you have, you know what your family situation is. These are five documents that will cover everyone. So we're going to go through those today with Nick. And just a reminder, I know this is the first episode, so let me give you a little background on Nick quickly. Uh, and again, listen to the first episode to get a little deeper detail. But Nick, as I mentioned, is the estate planning attorney and owner at Rosenbauer Law Office. Their office is up in Westchester, little north Cincinnati, but they service the entire Cincinnati area all the way up to date. And so, you know, if you're listening in that area, reach out to them. You can do that in a couple of different ways. Cincinnati EstatePlan dot com is their website and their phone number is five one three four six three six seven eight nine. Both those ways are easy to get in touch with Nick and his team and uh, set up your first consultation, go and meet with Nick and take it from there. They're happy to help you out. But I think you'll get a a pretty good idea of Nick and and what it means to him to be in this business by listening to that Getting to Know You episode. So check that out when you get a second. So Nick, let's get into this this main topic. And I want to run through this list of five essential documents. And there's a blog on your website as well. And I'll point to people to that. There's a couple of different things. The blog on your website, plus there's a resource, a free resource online where you can enter your email and you will send them these five essential documents uh, to them to have that list they can download and keep in front of them. So after we're done, download that and and have that available to you. But we're going to let Nick kind of expound on them a little bit more today. So let's start off with the first one on your list, Nick, and and that's healthcare power of attorney.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this is probably, I'd say, one of the, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe more famous or more well-known on the list. And there's a couple here that some people may not be familiar with, but the healthcare power of attorney, one of the basics, it is the legal document where you appoint a decision maker, also known as your agent, to make medical deci- and healthcare related decisions on your behalf if you're not able to speak for yourself. So if you're sick, you're in a coma, you know, let's say you have a, uh, uh, Alzheimers, you know, something to that nature. So it, the interesting thing and people don't realize is without having this essential legal document, there is no default, there is no fallback so to speak as far as who's allowed to make decisions on your behalf just because of who they are, their relationship with you or you know, there there's nothing to the effect of, well, we we don't have the legal documents but this person's here in the hospital room, so we're going to listen to whatever they say, okay? That obviously doesn't happen. And an interesting thing about this uh, document, uh, along with a few of the other documents we'll talk about, since this document only allows someone to make decisions on your behalf, so it allows someone to step into your shoes, because of that, it only remains in effect until after someone passes away. And the obvious reason behind that is once someone passes away, you know, a dead person and I'll be blunt. So yeah, you know, for all of you listeners here, we, uh, you know, we, I'm pretty blunt and I don't beat around the bush when we talk about getting sick and dying. Okay. I I, kind of have to, because that's what I talk about all day, every day. But after someone passes away, a dead person can't make a decision. Okay. So the healthcare power of attorney, Basically becomes void and it's meaningless after someone has passed away.
2: Right, that makes sense. Well, well, explain to me then how that's different from the this other item on your list, the the property financial power of attorney. This is a totally different power of attorney, correct?
0: Correct. Yes. Um, So this one, and I'm glad you brought that up. They do get confused. So the first one, the healthcare power of attorney, allows someone to make medical decisions on your behalf. This document. And it actually has a number of different names, property, power of attorney, financial power of attorney. You may hear durable or durable general power of attorney. They all mean the same thing. It's same idea, appointing someone to make decisions on your behalf. And again, that decision maker is called your agent. But this one appoints someone to make financial and legal decisions on your behalf. And a good example for that would be paying bills, signing checks, buying or selling a car, um, filing your taxes at the end of the year. Same idea. So it works, allows someone to step in and act as you if you're not able to do so yourself. And just like the healthcare power of attorney And for the same reasons we just talked about the financial or property power of attorney is only valid until someone passes away. And and I've had a number of people confused by this. Someone passes away and then they take their deceased parent or spouse's power of attorney to go empty the bank account or sell the house or something like that. And then they get very surprised when they realize this doesn't work anymore. And, And that's the reason why. Okay, so your step you're acting as them, but a dead person can't sign a check. Mm-hmm. And a dead person can't sell a house. So that's when it ends exact same as the healthcare power of attorney.
2: So you can't have just one power of attorney that represents all your interests? Is that
0: possible? uh yeah, you're right. And it would be so much simpler, obviously, if you could, but no, they are two Completely separate documents. One of them is just for healthcare uh, medical decisions. Then okay. um, the other one is for financial, legal, or, or basically non medical decisions. And one of the reasons behind that, that the healthcare documents are separate, most states regulate them or standardize them, I guess is another word. And normally I don't like the lawmakers telling me what my estate planning documents should be. But at the same time, there's a practical reason there. We don't want to rely on the doctors in the ambulance or the emergency room to also have law licenses and be able to interpret a lot of these complex legal documents. So here in Ohio, and Ohio changes the documents, they tweak them on their own. But almost all of the Ohio healthcare power of attorneys are very similar. Ohio has a, a, a rather standardized health care power of attorney. And you know what? The doctors know what it looks like. The doctors know where to look to see who's in charge, and the doctors know how to interpret the document as well. So there's a practical reason for it just because a lot of times you get rushed to the hospital, the doctor doesn't have time to hire in-house counsel uh, to come down and review it when, you know, your heart may have stopped beating. So that's the reason they do that, and that's the reason that the medical documents are separate from everything else.
2: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for clearing that up. Uh, (laughs) The next one is one that I am obviously have heard of quite a bit, but why is a living will an essential document?
0: Okay, so a living will, and depending on what state our listeners are in, not every state calls this a living will. Most states call it your advanced directive or advanced medical directive, Ohio is one of the states that calls it the living will. It usually accompanies the health care power of attorney. It is also a medical document. Okay, This document is where you would express your decisions regarding treatment or lack thereof in end-of-life scenarios. Okay, And if, if you remember, Ben, I don't know if you remember uh, that Terry Shivo yeah, do. Uh, news story from years ago where, uh, for our listeners who, who are not familiar with it, there was a lady who became uh, brain dead, okay, vegetative state, basically. And you know she had the life support hooked up to her and had no documents to say what her wishes were. And there was a fight between the husband that said, I've spoken with my wife. She does not want to be you know, kept in existence. I wouldn't I wouldn't even call it kept alive by machines. And then the parents came in and said, I don't want you to kill our daughter. Well, what do you do there? Mm-hmm. Right. That's an absolute mess. So your living will is where you say, if I get to that point, I want artificial life support or I I want artificial life support to be withdrawn so I don't become the next Terry Schiavo.
2: Okay. That's, uh, yeah, that could be a very tough situation for anybody to deal with. Moving along to number four on this list is the HIPAA release. So I never would have would even guessed that this was on the list, but why is this important?
0: Well, and and you would be in the same boat as most estate planning attorneys, honestly. (laughs) A lot of estate planning attorneys do not prepare HIPAA authorizations. And most of you are familiar, if you've ever had to go in for even a, a basic outpatient procedure, one of the things they ask you for is your HIPAA contact, or they'll make you sign some generic form on a clipboard as they're rolling you back, you know, right before they put the gas on you and, t- and put you under. Uh, HIPAA law, it regulates privacy and protection of your medical information and medical records, basically. So, uh, and the HIPAA law has been in place for, you know, about 25 years now. And the problem is with HIPAA law confidentiality, it basically tells, you know, basically forces the doctors and hospitals, it ties their hands. They're not allowed to release your information to anyone. Normally that sounds like a good thing. I'm all for privacy, but let's say, You're in the hospital, and your daughter calls the hospital and says, Wait, I just heard mom got in a car crash. Is she okay? And the nurse says, I'm sorry, I can't tell you that, and hangs up on them. Okay. So, first off, that's not good for the family, obviously. And second off, what if the daughter maybe lives an hour away and she's your decision maker and she's trying to find out if mom's okay or if she needs to pay mom's bills? and make sure things are taken care of and, and make sure the mortgage gets paid. How is she supposed to know? So the HIPAA release basically allows your doctors and medical providers, I like to call it putting them on the list, I think is a good way to read it. So the HIPAA release says, here are the people who are on the list, so to speak, that the doctors and nurses, hospitals, whomever, they have permission to talk to these people. And I always, you know, unless there's a unique circumstance, always put the spouse, always put the children and any of your decision makers on the list. So if they call the doctor or hospital, has permission to tell them how you're doing.
2: Okay. Yeah, I never would have, I never would have guessed that. I never would have thought that problem would have come up to where if I called a check on my own mother or father that they could just hang up the phone and say, no, I can't tell you. So, I mean, but,
0: but let's say you were supposed to take care of them and make it pretty hard
2: for you to do your job, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. But I think that's the, one of the things with the state planning that I think I'm going to figure out pretty quickly is there's a lot of stuff you just don't even know to ask. And you don't even know that you need until you have that conversation with somebody that does this every day. Like that's not something that I think most people would even think to address, unless you had a conversation with somebody like yourself, Nick. So that's good to know. Well, the last item on this list, the five essential documents, and this is one that I think we're all comfortable with, at least knowing that we need, and that's a testamentary document. And when I read that first, I was like, oh, what is a testamentary document? Because I never heard that phrase like that. I never heard that terminology. But so this is what your typical will would be and fall under, right? So this is a document that everybody's pretty familiar with. But is there anything else that term testamentary covers besides just your will and living trust?
0: Uh, Yes. And then uh, testamentary document just basically means something that specifies your wishes on what happens with your estate and your nest egg after you pass away. And so a couple of different examples of that, obviously your last will and testament, just about everyone's at least familiar with that. Your last will and testament says, when I die, here's who gets my estate, and here's who's in charge of managing it. That is a testamentary document. And to back up real quick, um, I I know a lot of people can confuse the living will with your will or your last will and testament. So just as a reminder, the living will is that medical document where you make your decisions on end-of-life scenarios Um, As far as life support and things of that nature, your will or your last will and testament is the document where when I'm gone, here's who's in charge of settling my estate and here's who gets it. The other option would be a trust document, uh, living trust, family trust, uh, revocable trust, irrevocable trust. There's a number of different types of trust, but the trust is the other option because similar to a will It says, when I pass away, here's who's in charge of everything, and and here's what I want to happen. The the trust would be a will substitute, and both of them, the will or the trust, uh, are used to state your wishes for your estate after you pass away.
2: And this one's important, too, because if you don't have this, it can really become messy for your family, right?
0: Absolutely, and you don't pick what happens and you don't pick who's in charge so it's either up to you or it would be up to your local probate judge and i give people that option and it seems so simple now ohio and every state in the country has a default inheritance plan they have a default formula if you will for people who don't have any sort of testamentary document they don't have a will they don't have a trust anything like that and that's because if someone doesn't have anything even if someone died and did not properly plan we have to do something with the money we have to do something with the house and it doesn't always go the way you want we'll put it that way and also the judge would be in charge of choosing who is the manager of the estate who would have to settle everything. And the judge doesn't know your family. Okay. And the judge doesn't know the good brother and the bad brother and, you know, the, the joint kids and the separate kids and et cetera, et cetera. So you can see why this is so important. And not only do you probably want to decide what happens with your hard earned nest egg after you're gone, who it goes to, you probably know who would be the right person to wrap things up, and you probably know who would be the wrong person to wrap things up. <laughs> and if you don't make that call, then the judge who doesn't know anything about your family has to make that call.
2: Yeah, don't leave it up to them. And they'd probably prefer not to make the decision anyway.
0: Uh, yes, <laughs> you're exactly right.
2: <laughs> well, these all, look, all five of these documents are essential for your estate plan. No matter, doesn't matter what your situation is. Right. And these, this covers everybody. You need to have these five documents in place. And if you haven't sat down to think about each one of these and put these documents into action, reach out to Nick, his team over at Rosenbauer Law Office. They, they're experienced in, the, in this complete estate planning process and can help you go through each one of these five steps. And you can reach them a couple of different ways. You can call them to set up a, an appointment, set up a consultation, 513-463-6789. Where you can find them online at CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. And I mentioned the website too, Nick, and I said this before we got started too. If somebody wants to go through these documents as well, again, through a list, you have them on your website in a couple of different places, right?
0: Yeah. So what we have, uh, first off, I have... Uh I have a blog post on this We We have a blog that we update pretty regularly and go through a number of topics as well. So if you go to our main website, Cincinnati estate up at the top on the menu, uh, there is a place a button to click and you can look through our blog. And also if you go to the free resources tab, uh, we have a number of different free reports and guides Um, and information that download for free and you put in your email information and we'll automatically send it right out to you. And we have a report on the five essential documents uh, right there on our webpage.
2: Well, thank you, Nick. There's a lot of great information on his website. Be sure to check that out. And then with this podcast we're going to be going through a lot of those same topics plus quite a bit more and we'll dive into a a lot of different things in estate planning so you want to be with us uh, the next episode that comes out uh, will be soon and you can have it delivered to you by subscribing which you can do right now uh, no matter where you're listening to this Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts wherever it is go ahead and subscribe and uh, have that next one alerted when uh, we publish it which will be soon so I'm looking forward to that next episode Nick this has been a lot of great information I know I learned something today so thank you for your time
0: Uh, thank you too ben it's always a pleasure
2: the complete estate
1: planning podcast is brought to you by the rosenbauer law office based in west chester ohio and serving the entire cincinnati area the show is available on apple podcasts spotify google podcasts and everywhere you listen to podcasts subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode Just search for Complete Estate Planning with Nick Rosenbauer to find us or visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Nick, and to learn more about protecting your family legacy. That's CincinnatiEstatePlan.com.